0: Second Chance As always, it is my pleasure that you've joined me for today's podcast of Second Chance Coaching. My name is Dr. Richard Lewis. If you'd be so kind as to leave me a rating and your feedback, I would very much appreciate it, as it will help others like you to optimally discover this podcast and add it to your library or favorite podcast. As you know, at Second Chance Coaching, we focus on seeing everyday life through the eyes of the returning citizen and highlighting the resiliency of the human spirit. I'd love to work with you one on one. Whether you're a returning citizen or coaching client seeking your second chance, or you're a representative of a business, college, or university seeking to integrate, support your returning citizens in your organizational and learning environments. Feel free to contact me via email at richard at secondchancecoaching.com or on Instagram at the Dr. Richard Lewis. Today, we'll be talking about women, prison, and reentry, and we have our special guest today, Dr. Zaria Davis. So give me a few minutes and I will read her biography so that I can introduce her to all of you. Dr. Zaria Davis is a mentor, educator and advocate. She is a senior associate with the Pretrial Justice Institute focusing on advocacy and community engagement. Dr. Davis serves as a coach and consultant for nonprofits servicing directly impacted communities through New Direction Coaching and Consulting, LLC. Dr. Davis is also an experienced grant writer and reviewer And she is passionate about working with women in reentry and and launched Filling the Gap Reentry Services in 2019. Filling the Gap Reentry Services addresses many of the voids of services in her community for formerly incarcerated women. Filling the Gap also serves on the Unlock Higher Ed Steering Committee, which advocates for the removal of barriers for incarcerated and formerly incarcerated scholars. She also serves on the Ed Trust Justice Fellows Advisory Board. Dr. Davis holds a doctorate of social work from Capella University, an MSW from the University of Cincinnati, and a BA in sociology from Wilberforce University. She is currently enrolled in Eden Theological Seminary, pursuing her master's in divinity. Dr. Davis is a member of various local and national organizations, such as Just Leadership USA, Leading with Conviction 2019 as a graduate. She also is the Community Leaders Institute 2019 graduate excel 14 2019 20 graduate and currently a member of of leadership cincinnati's class number 44 she serves as a board board member for dress for success for cincinnati chairing the program committee and the re the robert o'neill multicultural arts center dr davis is also a member of the rotary club impact 100 junior league of cincinnati International Coaching Federation, and she's a life member of the National Association of Blacks in Criminal Justice, as well as Wilberforce Alumni Association. She is also a member of the National Association of Social Workers. Dr. Davis is the recipient of the Restored Citizen Award in 2019 and the Mary Everest Success Award in 2020. She is actively engaged in her local community and developing and training new advocates, especially those impacted by the criminal legal system. Dr. Davis also has a wide range of experiences, which reflects her advocacy, training, and consulting. She's a subject matter expert with Jami Sisterhood. She's also served on panels as both a participant and moderator, and is passionate about reducing the prison population, fully restoring directly impacted people's citizenship, and access to higher education during and after incarceration. Dr. Davis provides individual and organizational coaching and consulting through conducting workshops, presentations, facilitation, as well as a public and keynote speaking engagements throughout the country. She is the proud mother of a freshman college student and two bonus children. Before we turn over to Dr. Davis, I have to say I absolutely love the term bonus children. After my divorce, my children had the had the lovely advantage of having the love of their stepfather and I'm always appreciative of his role in their lives. And the term is just such a lovely manifestation of love between parents and children. With all that said, it is my absolute pleasure to welcome to Second Chance Coaching, Dr. Zaria Davis. Dr. Davis, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Dr. Davis, we gave you an extensive welcome and an extensive biographical introduction. Is there anything else that about you that you want to share with us that we may not have covered in your biographical introduction?
1: Yes, thank you again for um, just having the opportunity to speak with you today. So, um, prior to all of the things that you heard in my bio, I actually served as a social worker for 20 years. Um, I worked as a clinical social worker in a variety of different settings um, and worked with adolescents and adults primarily, in residential, outpatient, um, as well as doing couples therapy and employment assistance work. Um, and in 20, 13, I decided to um, open my own private practice and as a result, um, was the subject of a federal investigation. Um, I actually served time in the federal prison system from 2016 to 2017. I was initially um, sentenced to 24 months in prison um, and thankfully had a reduction in my sentence and was able to come home after a year. But from that experience, um, the things that you've just read off as it relates to my current work is what really drove me to get into this space um, as far as advocacy and just speaking for the women who are still behind those walls and, and don't always have a voice in these spaces. So I'm really glad to be here today and just have the opportunity to speak with you all about this
0: issue. Oh, that's great. That's great. Your work appears to concentrate about women and reentry. Before we get to reentry, can you share with the audience some of the specific issues that women face in their journey through the criminal justice system?
1: I absolutely can. So, um, when you when you think about people going to prison, oftentimes you don't think about women. Um, I literally heard during my journey. Um, in the prison system that women should not be in prison. And as a result, um, oftentimes there aren't resources and programs that are available for women because according to people, prisons were not made for women. So we had a variety of different barriers just in in the experience that I had. Things such as, and you hear about things like this, um, such as access to sanitary products or issues around healthcare, um, I have some people that I currently work with who are doing work around um, pregnancy and access to services while pregnant and incarcerated. But the other things that um, a lot of times people don't think about is just programmatic um, opportunities. So oftentimes, they there aren't the same programs that are provided in the women's prisons that exist in the men's prisons. There may not be things like weights. Um, and I know there aren't free weights in any of them at this point. but even when it came to like exercise equipment and things like that, we had challenges with being able to get access to those things. So um, what I realized in my journey of having to wear wear men's clothing, men's boots, um, and pretty much a lot of the things that were even on our commissary were ordered based off of what was being ordered at the men's facilities. So we actually had deodorant and other items that were not specific to women. Um, fortunately, we were able to get undergarments that were for women. But when, when we talk about like these barriers, I mean, we're talking about some of the basic essential things. We're not even talking about high-level things. And I know there's been a lot of advocacy um, work around dignity for women and just being able to provide some of those supports and resources, but there's still a need to address this particular issue. And there's a need to really program and develop Um, prisons that are, if if we're going to have them, because I honestly would like to just see them all gone. But if we're going to have, you know, facilities for people, then we need to actually look at who we're serving and what type of resources and supports we're pouring in. And right now, I think there's a lot of um, resources that are lacking when it comes to women who are
0: currently incarcerated. Okay. Thank you for that. Wow. That's a lot. I know that I know that when we have spoken, there were a lot of issues regarding women and, and the criminal justice system that I was certainly not aware of. so I thank you for sharing that with us. In building on that previous question, can you explain since you said there's differences in which the women in which women travel through the criminal justice system as compared to men, could you explain and share with us the path of reentry and some of, for women specifically that women face in their path to reentry? And how does that, and, and also give us an opportunity to share some of the projects that you're working on in regards to women and reentry? So I'll
1: just start with um, the organization that I started, Filling the Gap, is a direct result of there being a lack of resources and supports for women that are currently in, um, in the system and coming home. So when I returned home in 2017, I was fortunate to have some supports and resources in place even with that in place i still faced a lot of challenges and i always tell people for someone like me to be able to come home and have those supports i can't imagine what life is like for people who don't have those supports so the things that i experienced coming into a halfway house um when we initially get there oftentimes there aren't the same actual programs and resources being held for the women that the men are experiencing. So we aren't in the same, in in my area, we aren't in the same location. The men and women aren't together. So the men are having access to certain things, even as little things such as like a cell phone. So the place that I was at, only people who had state crimes could have a certain type of phone. People who have federal crimes could have a certain type of phone. But yet at the men's facility, they could all have smartphones. So you know, it was just sometimes little things like that. Um, but it was also like the programmatic issues. We didn't have a lot of programming going on there. Um, when I actually sought out to get assistance and help, oftentimes every entry events in my city, I was the only woman in the facility full of men. And it was just a challenge because a lot of women didn't feel comfortable, especially women who had been dealing with trauma, had other issues, you know, going into the system. Which a lot of women go into the criminal legal system with issues already that they're dealing with. Um, oftentimes they're already victimized. So to then be victimized and to be um, to experience trauma while you're incarcerated, because we all um, face some type of trauma when we're incarcerated, and then to come home and then the same opportunities that you would like to have to, to be able to re-enter and have resources and supports. And you go to these events and there's a room full of men and no women. So, I'm, I mean, there's so many things that I can think of as far as like healthcare, um, being able to access certain um, healthcare needs that you have specifically as a woman versus men. They're, they're gonna be health differences. Women have cycles, men do not women come into these facilities pregnant um, and and they oftentimes leave after giving birth to a child and they don't always have those supports that they need. Um, A lot of times our women are coming home and they have their children that are involved with social services. And so now they're having to deal with the social service agencies and trying to figure out a strategy to be able to get their children back while also trying to find housing, trying to get employment. And so the barriers that uh people facing re-entry as far as like housing and and those types of things are often you know a reality for everyone but but what i see oftentimes is that there are certain positions um that are more geared towards men like construction or um maintenance or just different things like that and they i'm not saying that women can't do them but they don't oftentimes seek out women who are returning home or think that we are capable of doing those. And then there are other positions that women are interested in, but because of their felony conviction, they're not able to get involved in. And so I think that we have to always, again, take into consideration that um, there are going to be specific barriers that women face when they are transitioning home that men just don't have to deal with. The programs and resources, the way that um, programs are funded, they're just heavily funded because there's so many men incarcerated that are coming home. However, the number of women that have been incarcerated lately is going up. And so with that uptick of people being incarcerated, we have to start really thinking about what are effective programming as we are welcoming women home as well these women are coming home, you know, they have children, they have families. Oftentimes, they've been like the primary caregiver, not just for a, a child, but also for a parent. And so, when they're coming home, there's already a lot of pressure on them to come back, bounce back, and start doing whatever they were doing prior to leaving to support the family. And so, we have to figure out some ways to address the trauma, address the mental health address these other, you know, physical barriers that they're dealing with as well. And so as a result of those experiences that I went through and the women that I you know, that I serve time with as well as the women who I met in my transition home, um, I decided to start an organization called Filling the Gap. And what Filling the Gap does is just, it does just that. So I don't try to duplicate services. The goal of my organization is to provide opportunities for services that are missing um, in those women's lives. So I partner with local organizations that may be doing re-entry work, um, but I also make sure that we're addressing issues such as access to higher education, dealing with the trauma of coming home. And I just think that the trauma looks differently for men and women. So our program, which is called Women in Transition, specifically talks about health and healing um, and just talking about some of the barriers that women deal with as far as like with parenting and getting reintegrated back into their children's lives. Um, working with their family, because oftentimes the family members who are taking care of the children are really ready to send the kids back and, you know, to the, to the parent. Um, so how do we support the women in this journey? And that is a big, that's a big part of what I do. Um, I think that it's critical for the women to have the supports. Um, so we provide mentoring for the women, so the, the mentors are actually formerly incarcerated women who've transitioned home successfully. And we say success, you know, that's always measured by the individuals, not a tool that we use. Um, but we want to make sure that the people who are serving as mentors are, you know, they are in a stable place in their own lives and that they are in a place where they are ready, ready to give back. Um, to other individuals and to support them. So that is a big piece of the work that I do in the, in the re-entry space. Um, I believe that you have to pour into other people and it, it always comes back to you. So being able to support the women that I left behind, whether it be through letter writing, whether it be through um, connecting them to resources and services when they come home, um, supporting their family while they're away, all of those things are really important to what I do in the work that I do.
0: Dr. Davis, you and I met through the net, through networking on Clubhouse. So Clubhouse is a new social media app for those of you who have an iPhone. It's in its beta stage, but I think that based on some of the interactions that we see on Clubhouse, it's probably well beyond the beta stage. Um, and you mentioned a couple of things already. You talked about the distinct differences between men and women, and, and we really appreciate you bringing that forward to us. But you also mentioned a couple of things in what you said about federal and state carceral journeys. Um, and I think that what we've seen, especially in the, in the, few, mo- in the few weeks prior to um, the transition of presidential administrations, we saw a lot of differences between federal and state carceral journeys, especially as it pertains to pardons and civil rights restorations and different other issues pertaining to that. And we spoke about that in Clubhouse. A lot of us spoke about that in Clubhouse. Can you share with the audience some of the noteworthy differences as far as federal and state carceral journeys?
1: So as someone who has a federal case, I speak on this issue quite a bit, um, just from my own personal experience. And what a lot of people don't understand is that um, people automatically assume that if you have a felony conviction, that there is this opportunity for your rights to be restored. Um, The reason why I advocate as hard as I do around um, people being fully restored is because within the federal system, our only um, avenue to be restored is a presidential pardon. And I don't know if people follow how many presidential pardons um, go out, but they're not that many. I will say I'm fortunate to actually have known a few people that have recently gotten pardons, um, which really did my heart well because um, we just know how difficult that is. And right now there is no type of clean slate on a federal level that exists. So there's no expungement opportunity. Um, there's no sealing opportunity. None of those things exist on a federal level. Um, if you go to the U.S. pardons office, you'll see, um, as I did, and actually I wrote to them and they sent me a packet and said, the only way that your rights can be restored is through this pardon package and it has to be approved and the president will have to sign off. Whereas on a state level, um, there are a lot of, and of course, this is going to vary from state to state, but there are a lot of opportunities for people to be able to steal their record or have their record expunged or they can get a pardon from their governor. And also, um, some states have um, like certificates where people have their rights restored and we don't have that opportunity. Ohio does have that, which is where I'm from, but not for people with federal charges, only for people who have state charges. So um, when we talk about holding positions and we talk about being able to um, access certain things. I know I was recently um, turned down. I had a credit card. It wasn't even turned down. I had a credit card and I was recently told that my card was being closed because I, my reputation, um, but my reputation was a risk to that particular company and they felt like I wasn't good for their reputation as a, as a company because of my criminal record is basically what they said. Um, I've also been denied life insurance as a result of my um, my case. In um, a variety of different things that you would think once a person has done their time, um, I got off of probation early or a supervised release um, with the, is what is called on a federal level, um, that we would be able to have some normalcy in our lives. But if something was to happen to me right now, I wouldn't even be in a position for my daughter to be able to take care of me or to take care of a service if if I was to pass. So um, there are a lot of things that are keeping people back from being fully restored as citizens. And there are collateral consequences in in the thousands um, for both state and federal level um, crimes. However, With the federal system, the way it's set up is everything goes through the president's office, Um, and so it just makes it even more challenging for the millions of people who have these federal records to be able to have any type of relief
0: as it relates to um, their citizenship and their rights being restored. Thank you for sharing that with us. We're going to... Later on, as we, as we conclude this podcast, we're gonna figure out how to get in contact with you, stay in contact with you, and myself and our worldwide audience. So we're gonna support the presidential pardon for Dr. Zaria Davis. So we'll, we're gonna talk about that in our last question. But our next to last question before we get to that, what are some of the projects or specific events or projects that you and your organizations are doing in criminal justice and reentry that you're working on right now?
1: So I'm fortunate that I actually work with some amazing organizations um, out here. So n- not only do I have my organization, filling a Gap, which is based in Ohio, um, we are running a program that is about to get started um, and it's called From Prison Cell to, um, it's launched with From Prison Cell to PhD. Um, and the program is called Prison to Professional. And it's a four to five week course uh, for people who are formerly incarcerated or have a conviction, who are interested in pursuing higher education. So we are just launching the first cohort in Ohio for that organization and um, that particular um, program. The national um, program from Ph- um, from prison cell to PhD actually does um, host a cohort quarterly. Um, we call it, we have an outside cohort and then we also do work inside of the facilities. Um, we are gonna be hosting an event coming up and it's gonna be this Thursday at noon. And it is actually going to be on the topic of dignity for women, and there is a panel of women, um, some awesome women that are going to be a part of that just talking about this particular issue. Um, And so we welcome you to join us in that particular event. Um, I also work with some other organizations that I always encourage people to check out, which is Just Leadership USA. Um, They are working to develop even more leaders throughout the country on a regular basis. Um, and their, their website is just JLUSA.org. Um, and there's just a host of organizations out there that are really doing some amazing things right now, as it relates to policy work, um, especially around this education piece, um, the Unlock Higher Ed Coalition. Our, um, our, our site is easy to find, um, which is unlockhighered.org. Um, And we have some upcoming events that we'll be hosting. We host meetings every first Monday of the month. um, And those are usually at 12 noon. If that's something that people are interested in, they can feel free to go to the website and just log in to get information. And then updates will come um, as it relates to um, when our next meeting will be. And then again, we have this event that is coming up It's um, under a specific forum called Centering Voices of Formerly and Currently Incarcerated Leaders in the Movement, and again, it's Dignity for Incarcerated Women, and that's going to be Thursday, March the 4th at noon. It's via Zoom, and if you um, follow me, you will find the the advertisement for that specific event, as well as the link if you're interested in um, just supporting. And I just would say, you know, any of the organizations, if you're following me that you see um, and you are interested in getting connected with, please feel free to reach out to me and I will make that contact happen.
0: Thank you, that is outstanding. Our last question for you, Dr. Davis today, is how can anyone in our worldwide audience follow you on social media, stay in contact with you, and get updates with you because we're going to we're going to support your presidential pardon for Dr. Zaria Davis so we want to know how can we stay in contact with you how we will follow you on social media how we could see the movement through your eyes and support and support your presidential pardon and all the projects you're doing how could we stay in contact with you
1: the best way to stay in contact with me i made it easy for everybody so all of my social media platforms um instagram twitter social um facebook as well as clubhouse they're all dr dr underscore zaria z-a-r-i-a so again that's dr underscore zaria um for all three of those sites and i also am uh, on linkedin um which you can just find me through my name dr zaria davis i would love the opportunity to connect with you and to support any work that's being done um another another thing that i didn't mention um is actually tomorrow Uh, We will be hosting Day of Empathy, and that is going to be throughout every state um, in the United States. It's hosted by um, Dream Corps Justice, and I'm actually the coordinator for the state of Ohio. Um, And that is going to be, again, on March the 2nd. And our event in Cincinnati, well, our event is going to be on Zoom, but it'll be from 1130 to 1 but other states will be also hosting events throughout the day. And then um, the evening event will be the national event. So we wanna also invite you to join us for um, Day of Empathy, which gives us an opportunity to really discuss the issues that are going on throughout the country and also the voices of the people who are directly impacted. So you will see me as a part of that as well. But again, I am Dr. Underscore Zarya on all social media platforms. And so I just look forward to hearing from you.
0: Dr. Zaria Davis, this has been an outstanding time. We appreciate the time, the knowledge that you get shared with us, the just just things that I certainly didn't know, and I know that our worldwide audience are now more educated on. Dr. Zaria Davis, we appreciate and thank you for the time that you spent with us today. Thank you for having me. Once again, if you'd like to work with me one-on-one, whether you're a returning citizen, coaching client, or representative of a business college or university, please feel free to contact me via email at richard at secondchancecoaching.com or via Instagram at the Dr. Richard Lewis. Remember, if you've been blessed to see another day, then you've been blessed with your second chance. It's up to you to make the best of it. I love you all, take care, and see you next week.